and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Leader Generation Podcast. I'm Cheryl Beam, a sometimes co-host and in all the time support behind the scenes. We recently recorded an upcoming episode of Leader Generation with Lauren Rothwell, who is the CEO and co-founder of Blaze. Sometimes the most interesting conversations we have with our guests happen before or even after our planned interview. And in this case, we had just finished the interview with Lauren, but we kept recording. And we had a casual, unplanned conversation with her about artificial intelligence and machine learning and how companies are finally starting to understand how to use this technology to bring value to their business. It was such a good conversation that we wanted to share it with you. Just keep in mind that the conversation does start a little abruptly since it was impromptu. And also make sure you check out the upcoming planned interview with Lauren Rothwell, because it is another one you just don't want to miss. Here you go. What kinds of talks have you been doing on these podcasts? I actually am familiar with Justin. He's Ari Club. They built a pretty amazing community. Yes. Yeah. So we had him on, I think last week and just talking about very much more attribution marketing attribution measurement within web three and all the way to conversion and really what are the different points of conversion. And so on this one, we really want to focus more on value, how you measure value, sentiment, connection, which I think we hit all those points. The ones before that, we've been talking about AI and machine learning for a while. It now with GPT, it just blew up because before it felt like speaking into a vacuum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're probably getting a lot more hits on those. Yeah, no, it's super yeah. interesting. There's going to be a lot of use cases. I mean, pretty easy to deploy, which means probably there'll be a lot of software tools that do it. And so I think overall, it will be a lot about the lock-in and like, what else do they do? And what is the user experience? Because ultimately the technology is there to do a lot of this. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Funny you say that. Cheryl and I have been saying that for gosh darn stinking years is that yeah. it's really interesting that the technology has been there for a while. Cheryl tested a few different tools against Chad GBT and found that that one was the most effective, but it is also the user experience and the ability to market that product in a way that people understand. Yeah. Where I feel like that's what was missing earlier on in what kind of led to that? We're speaking into a vacuum feeling. Was yeah. like, like, we got so much feedback. Like, we really don't understand what you're talking about. And I'm like, what? I think Jasper AI was one of the big ones. And then they were actually using open AIs. Basically, the chat GPT 3 has been like available via API for businesses. It's just been quite expensive, I think. And so people haven't really tried it out. And then they were freaking out when chat GPT came out because they were like, oh no, like, you've just completely made our product redundant. Now that they're charging again, I think actually it's all good. And OpenAI are still partnering pretty closely with the businesses themselves because they probably see that as more scalable anyway. Yeah. There's just, like you said, Jasper and Phrase.io and Persado, and it's been around, but I think with chat GPT, the user interface is so simple that that is what made it more mainstream and what people gravitated to. I mean, I think the capabilities are stronger in some of those other platforms. I feel like it's just that ease of use that makes ChatGPT so, so popular. Yeah. 
totally. Are you guys helping customers with that already? Or it's like a new area of business that you're kind of looking to market? We're helping them already. We had a couple of really forward-thinking clients last year. We're able to do pilots and sort of show the difference between AI and machine learning campaigns and processes versus without. Yeah. And now I just feel like that conversation just got a heck of a lot easier. And especially when we can point to some use cases and scale it, it'll be easier. But there also the other piece, what I think ChatGPT did that was really smart is it was free at first, where when we were putting tooling in methodologies with clients, there's an upfront investment. If you're modeling off pure data, there's an upfront investment of a ton of time and then engineering. And then if you're using a tool out of the box, well, they're trying to build a business. So there's like really short free trial, but machine learning in general takes time to really learn. And this was for campaign things. The natural language processing algorithm is obviously a lot faster, but I do think that this being free and really publicized publicly as something cool to try and not set behind a price model or a trial that doesn't last long enough for anyone to prove anything out went a long way. And now it makes the investments to use machine learning AI not look as big. Where before clients were like, well, I was paying $500 a month or this was free because we were just doing it. I already have people doing it. So now we don't have to battle against the, I already have people quote unquote doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Free, free to try has been the best marketing for just parts of the industry. I remember probably February, 2020 to, to put a very bold stamp on when this happened. There was the tool going around that would do, it would colorize black and white photography using machine learning. And it got better every day mm -hmm. to the point by the end, you're like, this just looks like an old photograph. And, and that's like, oh, this isn't scary. This isn't my memory of like a Turner classic movie. It's been a colorized black and white movie. You're like, oh, this is naturalistic. It's not kind of weird. Mm -hmm. And, oh, what do you know? Over the last few years, we've been seeing AI upscaling, color correction, you know, all of these become tool sets that aren't scary because it's like, no, it's doing a good job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, exciting, exciting times ahead. We'll see if everyone is using it. Uh, soon. I wouldn't want to be a copywriter. Let's put it that way. Here's <laughs> the copywriter. Yeah. The <laughs> trick we've seen with brands uh, so far is, at least in my experience, not, not to speak globally, is brands want to have a sense of what it's been trained on. So the work for hire is, oh, this copywriter has done all of this and it's been trained on their copy or our copy team. So that we could guarantee that this isn't journalist XYZ and it's going to just spit out a line that you're like, that's plagiarism. Yeah, that's true. And you know that, yeah, it's the right tone of voice and, and everything. Like there'll always be a, a review, right? Like I don't think people are just going to be like, hey, just automatically post her a Twitter or anything. Like there has to be a review. So that makes sense. Yeah. Look, the one thing when Cheryl and I were talking about how it gives her superpowers is every brand we work on wants to emote something different mm -hmm. and different for an email versus a tweet versus their copy. And that's where that human element comes in. And Cheryl was saying like how we were doing some subject lines in an email and she put in some ideas and got a bunch back. And she sort of took ideas from it to make two to three that we we're actually going to test. 
but with the right on-brand emotions that people respond to and she can explain to the client, but it, it saves time. I mean, yeah. yeah and Cheryl knows I've never been a writer. I'm terrible. So I'm really excited. And I don't even trust myself to go to the finished product though. <laughs> like I like the options. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes me think about an interesting thing when you think about time saving is when we talk about multi-channel social and you're like, well, our Twitter, our Insta, on our Facebook are all similar but different users and they are similar but different audiences. So we want to craft different messaging to go out associated with the same content. It's like, here's this video I made, but let's throw in LinkedIn just for fun. Like yeah. having to write four different but the same pieces of social copy yeah. when you're doing a month out there was a point in time where we were pumping out roughly 65 pieces per month across multiple channels and you're just hitting a wall yeah, yeah. that's an amazing use case for it because i've been testing a lot of different things and one was i took a paragraph i had written for a website or something and then was like shorten this to 150 characters and it got me pretty close. I still had to tweak it and then shorten this for whatever. And so it definitely adds efficiency. What does scare me is that there's people that think that it's the end all be all solution and writers are not obsolete. And that is not the case at all because we are saying every brand has its own voice and very specific characteristics or brand guidelines or whatever. And it takes a person to understand all of those things and understand what audience it's for and how this audience is different than this one. And yeah, I was actually just working on something where it was multiple emails, but there was different personas we were targeting. One was this age group, one was this set of people and machine just doesn't understand all those nuances. So any of the tools you've tried, like Jasper and, and Phrase and the likes, do they help with that? Like you put something in, they'll give it to you in like five different formats. It's more that you couldn't make, maybe post from there. Yeah. And that's another thing. You have to understand what those right prompts are to give it, to give you the response that you're looking for. Yeah. And if you don't understand that and have that knowledge of the clients and everything, you're not going to get the output. It's kind of like the whole garbage in, garbage out. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I feel like eventually we'll probably add more integrations and we'll have some of the tooling first. We're like, oh, maybe that's a good product feature for us. Just like do it across the platforms, but probably not super imminent anyway. Yeah. One of the things we talked about last time we talked Discord that I should have brought up here, where this gets interesting is, right, with Belays, you're giving tools to moderators. Mm -hmm. You're not automating moderation. Because once you auto moderation, it just becomes Facebook. Yeah. Right. That's a really good point. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much. I'm excited to see this when it goes. Yeah, sounds great. A Leader Generation podcast is brought to you by ModOp, a full service marketing communications agency focused on using the right methods to help clients capitalize on their opportunities. ModOp services for both B2C and B2B markets include brand strategy, advertising, digital marketing, lead generation, and public relations. Through its technology group, ModUp also offers website, e-commerce, and app UX, design, development, and technology stack integration. For more information, visit modop.com. That's M-O-D-O-P.com. 
Never miss an episode of Leader Generation from ModOp. Find us in all your favorite podcast venues.